Welcome to the Beyond Capital podcast. In our purpose-driven world, leadership is increasingly crucial. Now, more than ever, stakeholders are demanding the integration of social values and causes in everything from shoes to soap to investments. We are bringing you the stories of leaders that are marrying profit with purpose. I'm Eva Yazari, CEO of Beyond Capital. And I'm Ed Stevens, CEO of Appreciate. And this is the Beyond Capital podcast. Today's guest is Michael Kennedy. Michael is the CEO of KAI Design and Build, which is based in St. Louis, Missouri. KAI provides all planning services for new construction, including architecture, engineering, and interior design, as well as the building. And Michael has been CEO of KAI for a year and a half, and he's been with KAI for almost 20 years. Welcome, Michael. We're really glad to have you today. Thank you. I want to start out by talking about KAI, but by way of the phrase transforming communities. Uh, It's a phrase that goes along uh, with the company's logo and, and I know is core to the business. Can you tell us how that is an integral part of KAI? Well, a lot of people um, understand that when you're designing and, and doing construction in, in different neighborhoods, you're obviously physically transforming communities, but we, we wanted to go beyond the building and make sure we're impacting those neighborhoods as well. And a lot of the work that we do is not in your traditional, you know, central business districts or, or, you know, uh, built out suburbia. It's in redeveloping, um, most disadvantaged neighborhoods. So we go into the toughest projects uh, around the country and transform those neighborhoods. And it also starts with the social component, you know, working with nonprofits and, and, uh, community development corporations and, you know, dealing with the, what are understanding all of the um, determinants to economic equality and and health and all of those things that that are holding those communities back. So that's how we transform the communities, working with all of those groups and hiring in those neighborhoods and and, and making sure those people are part of the process and, and a part of building those projects as well. And I want to get into that a little bit more, but first, um, I've been on, in the process of designing a home over the past two years, and what's distinct to me about what you do is that it's design and build. So the, my assumption is that you know there's a firm that designs, and then there's a, another contractor that builds. Uh, is there something? Is that a unique value proposition of KAI, and, and why is the business set up that way? business is set up that way because, you know, for an owner, you know, a lot of, especially an owner who's not as sophisticated, like you're doing a house and that might be the only project you do for the next 15 years as a, as a, as an owner is how how do you, how are you expected to manage all of these different people and then, and then have the expertise to be the referee as they're pointing at each other for every issue that's going on on the project. And what we, have done is one making it a single point of contact to simplify the process, um, to guarantee the cost of the construction as we're designing it. We can say, you know, we know that this is the price because we have to build it and guarantee that price and not you get you as an owner getting surprised after the drawings are done and it goes out to bid that it's way over budget or, 
or, you know, you have to do a bunch of uh, value engineering and change the design. We're, we're modifying it and pricing it as it goes. The other thing is schedule. I mean, and when we're doing design build, uh, we're able to fast track and save time on the schedule, which saves money in your budget because you're not out on the site as long. Um, and we can control quality as well because um, what's not a part of my YPO membership is my other company, which is actually growing bigger than my YPO company. It's called the Up Companies. And that's our self-perform company that has architects, or has carpentry and electrical and, and laborer services. And being able to control that labor and schedule, um, it's just vertical integration is, is giving you much more value at a lower price and a faster schedule. And that's why design build is really picking up around the country. Got it. So you've done a lot of different projects, including bus stations, libraries, hospitals, community centers. Are the, is the approach the same for those types of, of uh, projects or is it different? They're all, they're all different. Um, you know, a lot of municipalities or institutions are still driven by, you know, um, state regulations or, or, or city regulations that say, hey, we have to do this design, bid, build, or you have to have a procurement process where it's hard bid and everybody turns an envelope and it's not very um, collaborative or, or uh, streamlined. But, some, but there's legislation that's passing at different states to allow a design procurement, design build procurement method. Um, even recently, some big hospital clients of ours have decided to start issuing more design build versus the traditional design bid build and then managing it. Do you have a favorite project of all the ones that you've participated in? Oh, geez. I think, um, I think one of the most impactful projects that, that we've had that was very um, visual was the Harmony Oaks project. And that was in New Orleans. It was a $170 million uh, um, development project that was mixed use, um, mixed income uh, development in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. And it was 500 apartment units. It was in the, uh, it replaced the CJP housing projects. It was a part of the Hano um, uh, Housing Authority, which is a housing authority in New Orleans uh, redevelopment after the flood of, of New Orleans. And I had to spend two years going to New Orleans about a week a month and just uh, uh, going through that process, uh, you know, rebuilding that community after a disaster and seeing all everything that you saw on the news firsthand is just a, it, it really impacted our people. And we were very proud of, of what we did and, and we did it in very quickly. Uh, we were the first project that, that finished uh, out of the big four that needed to get done in New Orleans at a time that was hard to find workers and, and, but there's plenty of funding during that time to get get the thing going. So that was a, a good part of it. Your community work really stands out. You've spent, specialized in public spaces and schools and museums and parks and even spiritual centers. Is this work that you seek out? Yes. Uh, it, we, we, we have become uh, a community partner. They you know, it goes into our messaging, uh, it goes into our core values, it goes into the types of people that we pick and um, the work here. And those community partners, you know, want to work with us. And most people say, well, 
we were looking for people with experience of working with nonprofits or we're looking for someone with experience and working in these type of neighborhoods. And, you know, we just have a, a resume portfolio and, and, and an attitude to give back and participate in a lot of those organizations on many levels. So, Michael, did you come into this business? I know you worked your way up from, uh, I don't know if it's at the bottom, but you've, you've worked your way up for a long time. Did you come in through the build side or the design side? Well, you know, I, I probably should go back and tell you the origin of the company a little bit. Yeah. That would um, be great. So my father, um, my, we're, we're a minority-owned business. We're MBE uh, certified. My father, when he was nine years old, uh, decided he wanted to be an architect. He was uh, sitting on a hill in a neighborhood, in his neighborhood down the street. He'd ride his bike and watch this guy, watch the houses they were, they were building at the end of the street. And, you know, one day he sees a guy pull up in a car and he gets out and rolls some drawings out on the, on the hood of the car. And he's telling all of these workers on the job site where it's all, you know, white workers working and build this house and he's showing them all what to do. And, and he gets back in his car and drives off. And my dad was just amazed. And you got to understand this was in the 1950s, probably 1954 at this point. And what they're seeing, what he's seeing is an African-American man roll out the drawings and give instructions to those guys and get back in the car. And he was dressed very nicely and had wingtip shoes and, and had a nice car. And my dad's like, I think I want to be an architect. <laughs> <laughs> Cause he ran over to those workers and said, well, what, what exactly does that man do? And they said, well, that's the architect. So my dad, that was, I mean, it, it was, there's so few examples like that back then that it was just an amazement. And one of the things that's, that, that, you know, makes us want to open doors and see people with potential and hate seeing it being wasted is, is this experience where my father goes from that to his, his guidance counselor at 13 years old. And he tells the guidance counselor when they ask him, what do you want to be? He said an architect. And, and the guidance counselor tells him, well, architecture schools only take the, the cream of the crop and no blacks. And from that point forward, you know, he, he did not get an architecture school. He went into uh, another HBCU all the way to Lincoln, Pennsylvania. And he had to wait for, um, he had to wait for the integration rulings so he can get into the architectural institution, Washington University here in St. Louis, which is one of the prestigious architecture schools. And he started later in life. Right. And he fought, and he fought every step of the way along. And my dad says to me today, he said, I mean, this is literally a week ago. He goes, you know, son, I'm watching what you're doing. I'm amazed by it. He said, in my day, I had to prove that I could do it. And he says I, that we checked that box. We proved that we could do it. And everybody loves you now because you're bringing the community along with you. And he had to fight so hard to just make sure we did a good job and run a good business. And now we changed the whole branding and the whole focus and everything because I understood I wasn't really getting, we were doing work and it was just day in and day out. But when I really invigorated the passion in my organization and, and brought out why everybody, they saw what we were doing and they came here for that. But to be able to, to integrate it into everything we do from our core values to the messaging on the walls to our core focus 
they really got involved to a point where they uh, were passionate and spreading the word about it. So we, you know, our ability to, so to, to fast forward, we started as an architecture firm in 1980. We added engineering in the late 80s. We added um, construction in 97. And, you know, we were the traditional professional service oriented design builder. And then we decided we can't be as competitive when you, when the recession hit because owners wanted the lowest number. And it was just like, we, it's a buyer's market. We're going to buy as low as we can. Well, I couldn't do that without being more vertically integrated. So in turn, learning how to be a hard big contractor from a uh, construction manager was a, was a leap. But one of the things I knew I had to do was create a self-performed company that was the carpentry, electrical, and, and laborers that we've added. Well, we grew that through acquisition. So I, I created a holding company and bought three companies. I bought an electrical contractor, a carpentry contractor, and a, and created a laborer company. And the reason I did that is because I found two partners and I said, listen, I, if I'm going to be competitive today, I can't wait to build it from scratch. We're going to have to do this through acquisition. And, but I said to those two partners, I said, I can't do this unless I can do what I couldn't really do on the design side. And just like what my father went through, still to this day, only 3% of architects that are in architectural school and engineering school are African-American. And less than those 3% get registered. So it's a very tough, tough profession to find the diversity you really want to build to make a real impact. Um, in your company, but on the self-perform where I'm, I'm, I'm getting people with, uh, construction degree or, um, technical degrees, two-year degrees and training where I can sponsor them into a union, uh, to pay for their education and they can get paid while they work. I can really, really impact the community that way. And so I went to the union and I went to my partners and I said, listen, if we're not dedicated to building the largest African-American workforce and, and hire from the neighborhoods that we're working in. then I don't know if I can really do this. And they said that they would support me. The union would support me. We go out and do the recruiting that we needed to do. And we set out to do that. And that was 11 years ago. And year one at the bottom of the recession in 2011, our company did $3.7 million. I bought some companies that at their peak were probably all together. We're doing, $25 million. But that first year they were all the way down to 3.7 year two, we did 8 million. Uh, just fast forward last year in 2019, just the self-performed companies did $50 million. We're projected next year to do uh, for 2020, $65 million. Well, I was going to say, do you lean towards the design side or the construction side, just in terms of your heart? I thought that was an amazing overview of how this company got to where it is and it's clearly important and powerful the work that you're doing but i'm ju- i'm just curious to know if you lean on the on the paper drawn side or on the hammer swinging side of things <laughs> or are you uh, got one foot on each side it's hard i got i have one foot on each side and and i can tell you that when you talk about design build the, the, the impact of, you know, so even our, the, these two companies, well, I'm the common owner, but there's different ownership in the two. The, the core focus is aligned. 
So KAI is transforming communities through integrated design and construction excellence. And then the up companies is building up communities through innovation, diversity, and integrity. So we're transforming it on the design side and modeling what needs to happen with the, with the non-for-profit and the management side and what social services need to be in there. And then we're physically building it, builders with hands and tools and trucks and equipment and building that, that community up with people who live in that community where we can hire and sponsor apprentices and put those kids through school. I'll tell you, that's rewarding. When a guy's telling me he's been hiding for four months from the repo man, and then we put him on overtime on a hospital project, and he paid off all his debt, and he's back current on all his bills in a matter of three months, and he tells me how I changed his life. I mean, that's that's powerful. And, and you start to break generational curses of, the, uh, of these communities where people don't have hope and people don't have a direction on where to go. And, and when our employees get involved in it and see that and see that we're dedicated to that, you, you build some brand loyalty and you, your hope is to keep those, to keep everybody working. Um, I think that, that what we recently did, we just did a, did a project with um, where we did a song to just try to get more kids involved in this and, and stuff. We did it. I actually recruited uh, Chingy, who was a was an international uh, hip hop artist out of St. Louis, to do a song with us about um, the construction industry, just to let kids be more aware of it. Because there's other issues going on there. So, yeah, we're 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 really excited about um, both sides of the company and how they work together to make the change. You strike me as a very thoughtful leader, and I know that KAI has some pretty strong core values. They include giving back, listening to each other, and serving others. How do they play out in the company and in the workforce, and how have you promoted the values within the business? So one of the things that we we do as far as promoting the values in the business is um, make a little card that has all the values and the core focus on it for everybody. But we really walk through uh, these in, in the hiring process and, and ask people, what do these values mean to you? And, and make them tell us what they think they mean before we even tell them what they mean. Um, the other thing we do is we, we build our performance reviews around these core values. And we ask um, everyone, for example, we have scores in each category for how they did in these different areas. Um, even the one that we have a give back core value to say, tell us how you gave back this year. And, you know, how did you give back your time or talent or, or, or your money to different organizations or, or we volunteer a lot. We built out, um, pedal the causes headquarters for free. You know, we do start certain things like that. So that's, that's one of the ways that we try to integrate all these things. And we even interview our customers. So in our proposal process and in our presentations, we'll walk through our core values and make sure that they align with that client's core values. Cause you know, some, we can't work for everybody. Yeah. And I think there's a quote that says, you know, diversity promotes uh, prosperity. And I know that diversity inclusion is, is key. And you've pointed that out uh, to you and KAI how has it possibly been good for business or how has it been good for business? Well, it's been extraordinarily uh, good for business. I think that, um, well, one, you know, a lot of times we, we, we do get an opportunity with different clients 
because we're a minority owned firm, but a lot of times they want to see that you actually have minority and diversity in, in your organization. So when they see we're serious about that, not just, you know, being the firm that's getting the contract, but, but actually with the spirit of what they're trying to do, doing that as well, um, it perpetuates more business. And, you know, that's just a side effect of doing what you should be doing anyway. And, and, and it's good for us and, and it, um, good for the community. But the other part of it is just the, the different perspective, um, that you get from having a diverse group, especially from women, uh, just the way women think versus men. It's just great to get that, that balance, uh, and how you drive and, and getting the, the, the feeling and the energy from the organization that they seem to pick on up on a lot better. And, it's, and especially from the client, I mean, some of my best project managers are women. They're better multitaskers. I'll tell you that. And, um, and they just are. And, and it's just, a, a, I don't, I think I read that somewhere, but I see it anyway. But I think that those core values and, and making sure we even have, Oh, well, there's one other thing that we did that was sort of cool. So on our core values, we have a love one another as our, as our, uh, one of our core values. And it's not just from the softer side, uh, cause we do also mean tough love, being honest with people, not, not sweeping stuff under the rug or being passive aggressive. You know, if you care about somebody, the toughest conversations you have is with your family members because you love them enough to tell them the truth. Well, we want that kind of love in our organization and even in telling our clients, because some clients tell you to do the wrong thing and you know it's wrong, but you do it because you think you're doing good service to them. And then you make a mistake and you tell the client, but you told me to do it. No client's going to be happy about that. So we try to train everybody to tell, be honest with them. If they're driving off a cliff, tell them they're driving off a cliff. But one of the other things on the softer side is we have, um, um, PTO time. And if somebody's going through a hardship or someone has a, a um, trouble in their family or they're sick, you know, you can donate your PTO to them. You can donate hours to them. And that's, um, we have that ability in our, in our plan that we wrote. I was looking at some of your projects on your website and saw that you did a, a an important project here in Dallas, which was a, a metro stop and a rail extension fairly good sized yeah. project. And I think it was built in one of the more underserved communities down in South Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. Do you recall, were you working with that project directly? I, I wasn't working with it directly, but we do a tremendous, tremendous amount of work with DART. Uh, we did most of the stations on the green line. We also did the American Airlines station uh, next to where the Mavericks are. So all of those stations are, are in our portfolio, but uh, you're t- are you talking about the Cotton Bowl station? Um, well, I think that there were just a couple of them that, um, it sounds like you've done a couple of them. I, I, I don't remember. It may have been Oak Cliff or somewhere um, yeah. in South Dallas that I'm thinking of. But yeah. essentially, I'm curious, like as you're, as you're going in and, and putting together one of these projects, you know, there's probably a lot of considerations and trends obviously competing forces, different government needs, local businesses, security. Um, do you have a, a sort of set process for that? Or is it is there a way that you gather requirements for a project that's, you know, s- sort of s- special or unique to, to, to KAI? Um, well, you know, a lot of those requirements, uh, especially for those stations, are, are federally. The Federal Transit Authority does a lot of that. 
Um, the, the unique part of the process would be, you know, how, you know, your design process, how you do community engagement, because a lot of those projects impact and get a lot of community input to approve the station. And they are very political. Um, so the, the art and science is making sure you can meet the requirements, the budget and the community expectations and build consensus. And that's where we, that's where we thrive is building that consensus. Um, a lot of times we incorporate a local artist in those projects. Uh, if you walk around those stations, you'll see patterns in, in the stone or different artwork. Um, you'll see uh, a weaving path of, of, of paintings and, and gardens that lead to these stations. And a lot of that is in conjunction and working with local artists, uh, community leaders, uh, telling the story for those neighborhoods and then making sure we have some sort of unique feature to uh to identify that station versus the other station instead of just having a, you know, print or a print each station out to be exactly the same. It's uh, we, they try to make it uh, blend into the neighborhood and become something special. And, and what's the hottest trend right now in community space design? The, the, the hottest trend is that I found surprising recently is um, video games. Oh, wow. If they want to have, they want to have video game e e gaming is what they're talking about because they feel like it's going to be uh, competitive, a career path, and eventually an Olympic event. So you're just mean like rooms where people can do it, or or auditoriums that can handle it. Yeah, I mean it's going to be uh, uh, rooms starting off as rooms, but they want to be able to host tournaments in community centers for e gaming. I am so glad I asked that question. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't have, we would not have dreamt of that response, or at least I wouldn't have. I thought you were going to say like water bottle uh, filler uppers in the in the water fountains, yeah. or you know something like that. Maybe that's passe. No, the, yeah, the, the most interesting one is that. And have you guys have you guys seen the movie Ready Player One? No, no. That's we're just, not. That's from a. This is a Steven Spielberg movie, but it's based on a book. And I'm just saying that, that we're headed that way. It's where the whole world ends up, you know, becoming like a wasteland except for Wi-Fi and everything. And everybody lives their real life in this virtual world. And, um, I mean, it's getting scary how close we are to that. And I just saw a release that Samsung created this, um, these, the AI where they have full-size TVs where there's a person there that you can talk to and it, it has mannerisms and looks real and, it's, I don't know, man. It's, we're getting there quick. <laughs> we do like to hear about, you know, interesting things. And we also like to learn a little bit more about you personally. Um, would you mind telling us how you begin your day? How I begin my day? Yeah, how well, does Michael you know, Kennedy get ready for his day making a huge impact on the world? I try to keep my energy high and because I know it's going to be a long day. So I, I try to get some exercise in the morning. I'll wake up uh, about 5 a.m., uh, get in the gym, get my heart rate up, uh, get ready to go. I'm making calls on the way to the office, um, get in the office, and and I'm checking on uh, walking around, talking to everybody, checking on certain projects. But I, I can tell you, people ask me how my day is. I say, well, there's never a boring day. Um, there's no day that's the same. Um, I'm, I'm working from one day I might be working on a nonprofit or a board that I'm on a hospital board, or I'm working on, you know, a, uh, huge community, uh, community initiative. 
or I'm in my office trying to troubleshoot project problems or I have a personnel issue. It's just um, at the C- as a CEO, I know my job is to, to, to support everybody and make sure they have the tools to do their job. And I can't jump in and, and do all the little detail work or I can't scale. So I have to, I have to delegate to elevate and, but I have to make sure I'm there to support them, to give them everything they need to be successful. And, um, and I have to just keep reminding everybody that, that we get opportunities because we give opportunities and that goes into that culture because if we, and this is from a spiritual standpoint is, is God continues to bless those who he can trust to bless others. And we, we carry that mantra and, and I have people in leadership and hiring positions that understand that and um, they, they fulfill it. And I just have to keep coaching and, and cheerleading and, and supplying people what they need to do their great work. And keeping the focus on you, how does the purpose in your work fuel your success as a leader? Well, sometimes my purpose doesn't make me as financially successful because we do <laughs> we do so much for everybody else. But um, personally, as a leader, it's fulfilling because I, I think back to that nine-year-old kid uh, that's my dad and how hard he worked and what he had to do to get where he is. And I just can only imagine if he had all the resources and support and help that I have. I mean just the fact that I'm in YPO was my dad had no peers peer group like YPO. My dad didn't have a, uh, a mentorship circle. He, he was barely allowed to be in the building to learn. And, um, you know, my acceleration and growth is, is a result of, of every hurdle he went through and, and got beat up going through. And, and for me giving that kid or, someone who's willing to do the work, the opportunity and seeing them thrive. Every time I do that, I feel like I'm helping my dad. That's amazing. Where do you see KAI going like 10 years from now? What is your vision for that? <laughs> Just a little you know question. Funny? <laughs> well, well, uh, it's so, so in, in reality, uh, I do have a business plan that talks about that, that vision. And, you know, St. Louis is a very strong office. Uh, we, we're offering full construction capabilities. Uh, but I, I want to make sure in the next 10 years that my Dallas office, my Atlanta office is of the same strength construction-wise as, as my St. Louis office. So from a design standpoint, they're there. But um, I haven't brought my construction outside of the Midwest. Uh, we travel with some clients, but I don't have the whole setup. So in the next in the next ten years, we will have a very strong GC self performed presence in in Dallas and in in Atlanta. That's really exciting. Thank you so much uh, for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. No, thank you, guys. I was just going to say, if you ever happen to swing by Dallas. Uh, definitely let us know. We will be Absolutely. happy to host you for a cup of coffee for dinner or even a Drink. free ham sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to do that. I haven't done a good enough job of uh, connecting with my doubt. Or cheese sandwich? No, no, that's great. That's great. That's always been one of my go-to jokes. Just like, I don't know why. <laughs> ham sandwich. It's just funny. 
We would love <laughs> all to say we'd love to meet you in person and uh, best of luck with everything. No, I, I'll, I'll, I'll meet with you guys. I need to reach out to YPO of Dallas. I haven't done a good job with that. Yeah, we can definitely help we need you. To do that. We can definitely help you with that. And uh, it's been great talking to you today. It's such an inspirational story. Um, it uplifted me a ton. Thank you for for giving me that <laughs> gift today. No, thank you, guys. Great. Take care. All right. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Once again, it's clear that a business leader with good intentions can create an impressive social, environmental, and ethical impact. There is always a way to put meaning behind the mission of a company, and we can all make a difference. You've taken the first step by listening to the Beyond Capital podcast. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to rate, review, and if you haven't yet, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more information, go to beyondcapitalpodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter at EA Stevens. And follow me on Instagram at Conscious Investor. Until next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.